You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Welcome to the Essential Apple Podcast, a show where we cover the last seven to ten days in the world of Apple news, reviews, rumours, roundup, gossip, tech, and, well, basically, anything else that catches our eye. This is the Essential Apple Podcast. Well, that's it. We're away. We're back again this week for another dose of the Essential Apples. Joining me this week, of course, is my co-host, Simon, who does all the lovely social media type stuff on the website and everywhere else. How are you doing, Simon? How are you doing good, sir? Uh, quite a lot better than last week. Uh, I've still got a bit of a cough, but uh, now it's a sort of deep chesty cough uh, and it doesn't reduce me to paroxysms of uh, agony and uh, flopping about on the floor gasping for breath so it's just a cough now which is uh, a lot better than last week i have to say yeah we were both a little bit worse for last week and i think that did probably come through on the show just a little bit uh, I'm, I sat here on a Sunday and I am a little bit broken. As I said last week, I did the tour of Pembrokeshire this week. That was 83 miles of sheer, unadulterated, unadulterated. Well, this is how good the show's going to go. <laughs> it was hell. It was hell on earth. The first 40 miles were all right, but then after that, it was painful. To give you an idea... It was about 6,300 feet of climbing. That is a lot. Uh, I was going to say, that's, uh, what's that? That's twice twice Snowdonia? Twice Snowden, isn't it? I don't know. All I, I, I never knew that we had cycle paths in our local area that had a 20% gradient on them. They didn't last long, but believe you me, they did not need to. Uh, uh, that was just a complete nightmare. Um, I entered a very special sp- up space of being zoned out in not quite with it for the entirety of yesterday and I'm just about holding it together and my voice is just about to go so and of course what better way to start the show with having a myriad of technical problems audio high I knew when audio hijack came up saying there's an update do you wish to update and you have the yes no uh, why did I say update just before we were going to record, which meant wire didn't work, which meant the same board didn't work. And now we're having to use Skype and now I've got to edit out the sound of the fans going bonkers in the background. But anyway, (laughs) what a nice cheery way to start the show. There's not really been much in the world of Apple this week, Um, although there is one hugely, hugely important story, which has set the world alight. We've seen behind the glass curtain. Is that right? Glass curtain? No, I know what I mean. (laughs) We've gone behind the doors. We've pulled open the books and bust open the doors to go inside the Apple spaceship campus. And the one story that's been taken away, other than the lack of childcare, has been the pizza box. Apple has solved the problem of soggy crusts. And what I love about this is how the internet has gone bonkers for this. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? Amazing. He's invented a pizza box with holes in it that stop the crust getting soggy 
from the steam from the hot pizza being inside the box and it's brilliant absolutely fabulous but really you know is it a world shattering development apparently it is well, at least we had a sort of a brief respite from the rumours of the iPhone date. It will have a curved screen. Oh, no, it won't. Oh, yes, it will. It will have wireless charging and this, that and the other. So it's good to see a, a bit of a light-hearted look at it. And, of course, part of me thinks this is a blinking good idea. But part of me thinks this is very clever because... If you have decent food, people are happier. If they're happier, they work longer. They work longer, they stay at work, and then they never go home. So it's, uh, I would say it's a blinking good idea, but unfortunately it's doomed to failure because uh, they don't actually say what size pizza it takes, and Apple are doomed if they don't make a bigger one, and they're also doomed if they don't make a smaller one. Doomed if you do, doomed if you don't. <laughs> That I like. Very good. Very good, Mark. Yes. <laughs> doomed. Uh, doomed because of pizza. Uh, if I, I was going to start, I actually did have an anecdote that I had pizza the night before I went cycling, like I always do. Did not help in the slightest. Uh, anyway, so we haven't really got any show notes this week because of a whole myriad of issues but you're going to you've been experimenting with dropping one of the big five haven't you you've had a bit of a shift onto some of the things that you do yeah well obviously the thought experiment courtesy of the new york times which i talked about last week um i i've been thinking i'd been thinking about it and i kept on niggling away at me and uh Originally, I said, well, Facebook, I don't use, so that doesn't count. And uh, I, I would, the first one I would drop would be Amazon. Um, but I've kind of revised my, my view of that because the more I thought about it, although I can do without Amazon, I don't need Amazon in my life. I realized that I actually do use rather more of Amazon services than I do of Google's. I don't use Google for search, uh, although I have to admit that when it comes to image search, there is nothing to beat Google. That is true. But for general searching, I use uh, DuckDuckGo because it doesn't track me. And I don't use Google Docs and I don't use Google Maps. And, I, you know, I, I use Gmail. I admit I've been using Google Mail since it was invitation only. Um, but I also realized that um, I'm, I'm no longer as happy with the deal that Google are effectively monitoring my emails to see what information they can garner to either advertise to me or to sell to other people. Um, now, I'll be fair to Google. They've never made any secret of that right from the very start. It's always been a, a clear contract that we give you stuff for nothing and in return we mine your data. Um, unlike you know, say Facebook, who are somewhat more underhand about it, I think. But um, I've become less comfortable with that contract, which, you know, I entered with open eyes originally. But uh, I thought, well, I only really use Gmail. I've got a few bits in, in Google Drive, but I have to admit that Google Drive is not my go-to uh, cloud storage. I use Dropbox and Mega and 
Uh, in fact, Microsoft OneDrive far more than I actually use the Google Drive. So I started to think about actually dropping Google for real uh, to go, you know, not use any Google services at all, which would basically mean changing my email. Um, now, I have lots of, well, lots, some other email accounts, uh, as most of us have two or three email accounts at least. So uh, I've got an iCloud account, which I've hardly ever used. And I think that is a, a good alternative. I think I trust Apple rather more than uh, a lot of other people not to be invading my privacy. Um, and I also was looking around and there's a service which I've looked at before but not actually used called Proton Mail, who are uh, based in Switzerland, uh, was created by uh, some of the scientists at CERN and uh, is based around being encrypted end-to-end -end and completely private. Uh, there's kind of three levels. There's a free level, which has some restrictions, like uh, it doesn't have a huge amount of storage, and you're limited, I think, to 150 emails a day. Uh, and then it's there's the sort of standard paid-for level, which I think is about £5 a month. Um, and then there's a, a top level, which is obviously aimed at companies, which is about £30 or dollars, I think. But uh, I thought I'd give that a go. So starting from now, effectively, uh, I shall be not using Google um, and not using my Gmail account. I'm not going to do anything rash, of course. I'm not going to like shut my Google account because that would be a very silly thing to do. And uh, after all the time I've been using Gmail, I have no doubt that millions of things will continue to come to my uh, Google mail. So I will obviously just gradually uh, phase that out as things come in. It looks very interesting, this. Uh, the free account is 500 meg of storage, 150 messages per day, limited support, or for four euros a month, uh, five gig storage, up to a thousand a day, custom filters, folders, encrypted messages to external receipts, use your own domain, five email aliases, and priority customer support. That's not bad. That's not bad. 48 euros no. a year. That's right up there with uh, Fastmail. Isn't it? Yeah. Which is yeah. one of the ones. You know, the, I mean, it's only real downside from my point of view is um, there's no desktop client. There's an iOS client. Um, there is no desktop client for the Macintosh, which considering that I use my Gmail via a, a pinned tab is not, you know, is of no great shakes really. Um, but it doesn't integrate with anything because of the way it works, which does mean my Notify app, which I use to monitor all my email accounts, and it lives in my menu bar, and it just tells me when messages comes in and allows me to preview messages. So if it says you've got four messages, I can pop that open and it will show me the first few lines. So when I get ones that are obviously fabulous deal on i can just immediately go red 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 and i don't have to go into the actual uh, browser um so i would lose that by using proton mail but 
I, I think what I'm probably going to do is use a combination of both. I think I'm probably going to use proton mail for my what I would call really personal uh, email. So, you know, correspondence with uh, people or, uh, you know, contacting banks or that sort of thing. But for a lot of stuff, anything that's what I would call public facing, such as signing up to websites or you know, receiving newsletters and the like, I think I shall use my iCloud account um, because I think it's always a good idea to have at least two email accounts, uh, if not three. It's always quite a good idea to have one that you can use for things that you think look spammy and scummy and unpleasant, but you desperately want to look at and they won't let you look at them without giving you an, an email address. And you think, yes, well, you're going to spam the hell out of me so you can have this email address that I never look at. Um, so, yes, it, it looks like quite a good service. So I'm going to investigate using that. I'm going to use my Apple uh, iCloud account and uh, see how it goes. As I say, that that really is the extent of my use of Google. So I, I don't think it's going to be too hard, whereas I realized that although I can get by without Amazon, there would be a lot more to actually give up. You know, I'd I'd be giving up my prime i'd be giving up the prime music the prime uh, videos the the new they've just added a, another prime service which is called prime reading which is in effect you know uh, a library ticket to all of amazon or nearly all of amazon's uh, book and magazine content which is now included free in your prime membership so i well, that's new. That's new. They only launched it a few days ago. Um, so, yes, listeners, that's if you're a Prime member, go and have a look at what's now available to you for free in the uh, Prime reading section. So I, I thought, no, actually, you know, an Amazon, do Amazon monitor a lot of what I do in order to advertise to me? I don't think they do particularly. Um, so. I just thought, you know, I could actually really in real life cut out Google. So I'm going to have a go at it and uh, I shall report, you know, on the on the in the slack and on the G plus and the like uh, how I'm getting on and we'll see how it goes. I've been given some consideration to this as well. I'm like you, I've I've. I got onto the Gmail train as soon as I could because it was at a layer of all that space and it's in the web and it looked half decent. But I've, I've these days now, it's just become such a, a junk email box that it's literally like you. I only use it if I'm signing up for a website or signing up for a service. They ask for an email address. That's the one that they're given. So it's basically just a place that I use because I have to give an email address. I don't honestly use my iCloud email address for whatever reason, as much as I should do, really. I don't know. Um, maybe it's a pattern of behavior. Maybe it's just so ingrained that you go into inbox on iOS. Which I, I is... think it's, I, I think, I think the, the main reason is we all tend to pick one. I mean, I use my Google mail. That is my main account. And uh, I think you get, in the habit of using a particular one and of course then most of your mail comes there and you automatically reply to messages and it that will be the default i mean one of the first things i did 
was I thought, right, I will go into my iOS devices and uh, I will set the default account to my iCloud iCloud account, which means when I compose messages, they will automatically be composed from my iCloud account. And anything that comes in, even if it comes to my Google account, when I reply, the reply will come from my iCloud account. And that will gradually, I hope, you know, uh, filter things across. And over time as well, I will go into the various uh, mailing you know, uh, places that I get mails from, the ones that I want, that is, and say, please, can you change my email address from, you know, my Google Mail to my iCloud? For example, I, I already emailed Tim at, uh, you know, at my Mac and said, Tim, I'm dropping Google. Could you please change my, my Mac mailing list address to iCloud? Which he kindly did for me in about half an hour. And I got a... I got a message, you know, I got a message saying you've been unsubscribed from the My Mac mailing list, which came to my Google address. And then I got a new one to my iCloud saying, congratulations, you've been signed up to the My Mac mailing list uh, at this iCloud address. So I shall gradually go through and do those. And of course, the ones that I'm not really all that fussed about, they can just stay going to Google. Um, and eventually, I hope that, you know, the Google will just fade into insignificance i think i'm with you but, on the uh, whole amazon thing as well uh, thinking about what i use it for okay yes i've got amazon prime so whatever i can i use the free shipping even though really it's sometimes not that much cheaper and you can often get things cheap if you go directly to the store uh for that's uh, sorry if you go directly to the amazon seller's store i.e you find mugs are us you Google them, you find the same products, you can get it pretty much cheaper, and you know you're supporting a, a company. For me, uh, I think I'd be a bit lost because I don't use Amazon Prime, um, Prime Video as much as I should do, although I have just been binge-watching Parks and Recreation. Very, very rarely do I use Amazon Music, but I'm sort of giving that a try because I am a, a die-hard radio fan. Uh, yeah, so that seems old-fashioned, but... Some radio stations, I'm looking at you, Radio Caroline, are just worth their weight in gold. And because I spend a stupid amount of time watching Twitch.tv, I would miss that. Although you can watch Twitch for free, you just have to put up with adverts. And in this day and age, no. No, no, no. I'm Wherever I can, I am done with adverts. For storage... uh, this has been a difficult one because I really want to just go in all on uh, iCloud. However, you sort of, it's a hard thing to do because you can't share links and they don't have, they don't seem to have as much open access for other applications. So for the main thing I would share, uh, share a folder for is the podcast. So you can upload your audio to the show. That's the main thing. But also, if I want to use something like Orphonic, which will pull from OneDrive, Dropbox, Google Drive, it won't pull from iCloud. So that would mean an extra step where I don't really want it to. But I suppose at least it means I wouldn't have to have that dreadful Dropbox client on my machine, which sort of gets its hooks into everything and all that sort of stuff. I've been using Mega. Uh, It's quite nice. It's got a, a very 
good uploadish engine on that. Unfortunately, it's not fully. It keeps whinging about not being compatible with Safari, which is a little bit of a downer. Which then means I've got to have Chrome, Chrome, Chrome on my machine, and then that brings up more issues. So right now, I'm still sort of struggling for. Well, um, you're talking about Chrome. Um, I don't use Chrome really. I, I use the Safari Technology Preview by yep, choice. But um, if you feel the need, and it is always a good idea to have a second browser. I'll, I'll be honest. Um, if you don't wish to use Google's Chrome because you feel that that's, you know, might be spying on you slightly, uh, you can get the the browser on which it is based, and that is the open source Chromium browser, which is exactly the same engine, which uh, it's free and open source, and then Google take that and manipulate it into Google Chrome. So... You know, if you wanted to drop Chrome, I'd suggest you take a look at Chromium. Okay, I will I'll go and have a look at that on the show. And of course, you'll be able to, uh, after the show, you'll be able to find all of the links in the show notes, which should be in that there podcast player of yours, uh, and indeed on EssentialApple.com. So I'm trying to think what else I use. Um, I, I think I'm going to take your lead. I think I am going to drop more and use uh, my iCloud account more, because why not? It's native. Uh, I have been playing with a new email client, and I'm just coming back to ProtonMail, I've been using Spark, and I noticed that a few of the guys in the chat room were talking about it. That's not bad, actually. It's not bad. Uh, I might do a review of that very shortly. And it, just in case anyone is wondering, I did say at the end of last week I would be doing a review on the Shuttle Pro version 2. Uh, it's not gone to plan. It's not been that easy, so I'm going to give it one more week, and then we'll have that on with us next week. Anything else um, on your thought experiment, is, or are you just going to do it on an incremental basis to see what you can move well, from uh, and move to? I really the rest of them. I mean, Amazon. I'm not going to drop Amazon because it's it's you know I could live without it, but why make life difficult? Really. Um, and Apple, well, obviously, that would, you know, I might as well cut my hands off if I was going to drop Apple. So, no, it's basically, it's it's Google. Uh, you know, I'm going to drop Google and uh, see where we go from there, really. Oh, my God. I have just seen in the Prime reading, they have graphic novels. Oh, yes. The iPad is yes. going to get a second wind. Uh, but why is it not added? So I've added that. Oh, yes. I... Yeah. <laughs> you can tell I'm slightly distracted. That's, uh, yeah, that's something really nice. Uh, right. What else have we got on the old show notes? Because we are pretty much winging this today, probably more than we have <laughs> normally. Uh, well, let's let's go back to back to Apple. And the iPad Mini may not be long for this world, which pretty much isn't surprising given how old it is and the last time it's got an update. Although, with WWDC being a couple of weeks away, we might get to see something come up. If we take a look back at the iPad Mini. Do you think, in a way, that was Apple bandwagoning or just jumping on to or succumbing to pressure? Because at that particular time where you had small, cheap 
consumption, i.e. watching Netflix, Prime, Twitch, uh, YouTube, laptops, uh, sorry, tablets. Do you think that was just to sort of jump on the train, make a bit of money, and it was always planned to only have a certain lifetime? Or do you think that? No, I don't. I I, I think that uh, when the iPad was born and we had the, you know, 9.7 slash 10 inch iPad, um, when the iPad 2 came along, which was the first thin one, um, it was, you know, it was an expensive piece of kit. It was about four or five hundred pounds, I think, to get an iPad 2 at the time. Um, and of course, then the Android tablets started to come out and very rapidly uh, there were an awful lot of these seven inch cheap, no brand churned out in China um, tablets that you could pick up for under a hundred pounds. Um, and as you say, they were, you know, low power consumption devices, but they, they did swamp the market quite quickly. And there was a lot of pressure on Apple to to make a smaller tablet. Um, and I know Steve Jobs, you know, famously considered the small ones to be a pile of doo-doo. But they did make, obviously, the iPad mini, uh, probably because they did. I suspect, actually, because they needed to, to produce a cheaper iPad, you know, uh, not down in the sub hundred pound bracket, but cheaper than a 500 pound iPad. So, uh, and I think they were very popular. Um, they certainly, I know, you know, my wife has an iPad mini. Uh, my daughter has an iPad mini. Um, my colleague at work has an iPad mini. Um, and they all absolutely adore them. They think they're fabulous. Um, and people who like the smaller ones really like them. I mean, like, they really, really like them. I mean, in the Slack and uh, various other places where this rumor has now, you know, uh, come to the fore that the iPad mini might be, you know, no more. Uh, I've had several people comment in that, you know, if that's true, they better rush out and get themselves the latest iPad mini now before they disappear so that, they, you know, they'll get another four or five four or five years but would you do that because the price of the ipad mini now the price of the ipad mini now is it's so high compared to what you would get the new ipad for well it's more it's more money than the than the new ipad isn't it yeah but of course that said because the ipad mini hasn't been updated for a couple of years i think um it's possible to pick them up either secondhand or on refurb. So, you know, and what I'm saying is that a lot of the, these people, what they're saying is they like the, the, the form factor, the seven and a half inch form factor uh, so much that, you know, if need be, they will go out and get uh, an iPad mini now before it's discontinued, you know, or should it get discontinued as quickly as possible because they know they can get four or five years of use out of it. I mean, I'll be honest, you know, my, my youngest boy is still using the, the original iPad two that we bought. Um, 
sorely knocked about now and obviously it's not particularly quick or powerful by modern standards but he can watch youtube on it and that's all he really cares about so you know these things that that's part of it um is the ipad mini really going to get the chop i don't know because people who like them think they're absolutely amazing but the sales figures are not particularly good it seems um, but this is where it comes know, to be a self-fulfilling pros. prophecy, though, isn't it? It's like people don't yeah, buy it because it's, it's old, and, and it's old because people aren't buying it. It's that whole circle. Yeah, and, exactly. and this is the thing about Apple, which has always concerned me since I've been a bit of an Apple fanboy for a few years now, is they sent, they tend to do a massive focus on just one product at the expense of loads of other lines. They and to be fair... You know, why? Why? When they were a small company and they were struggling and, you know, they were fighting for their survival, really. And Steve Jobs came back, you know, the second coming and said, right, we're killing all these products that aren't going anywhere. And we're focusing down on, you know, the the famous quadrant. And uh, here, by the way, is our fabulous new consumer desktop called the iMac. And uh, that... You know, at that time, I think you could say it was probably acceptable. But, you know, as the biggest company in the world with the most money, you know, they've got effectively infinite resources to do whatever the hell they like. And uh, I I know at the top, it's probably a very small team, you know, maybe only 20 people or something. But really, really, you can't, you know, can you really not walk and chew gum at the same time? It's uh and they do have this habit, don't they? You're right. They will focus on one thing to the exclusion of everything else. And I, I don't understand that. I've never really understood their tendency to do that. I don't, um, I don't think even so Apple I don't know. That. I really don't know. No, I don't think they do. Um, and so is the iPad MIDI doomed? I can't tell. I really have no idea. Um, analysts would suggest that its sales figures say it's not worthwhile from Apple's point of view and they should kill it. Um, Other people are saying that, you know, yeah, but there could be a revision coming any day now. Um, I, I, I wouldn't like to call that. It's, it's the thing with a lot of products like people look at, well, if you're not selling that many products, it's a failure, but I'd rather sell less of a product but make more mon- money in market share than so I know what I mean. Hang on, let's try that again. I'd rather sell a product that I'm only going to sell a little of, but I know I've got such a good margin on it rather than that race to the bottom. And it, the, the timing of the new iPad is curious. Why to drop it in at a price lower than the iPad mini? And you would, what gives me a little bit of caution to this rumor is normally we get all the leaks to say stocks dwindling or discontinued, or you get those little screenshots of photos from people in stores saying discontinued. And we haven't had any of that. We haven't had anyone reporting from the usual places like, oh, you know, we're running out of iPad minis and we're not getting any more stock in. Which is not, which is what used to happen no. with other things like with iPhones and with other iPads and with other Macs, but we haven't had that. So no, I, I, I really wouldn't like to call it. I really wouldn't, because 
uh, I just I just think it's too it's too difficult to to uh, you know mate, I I don't think that I would like to put a bet on that one way or the other. I. I I see the reasoning that you know the iPad Mini is not selling in as as well as uh, some of the others, and that the the iPad Pros are definitely you know where the where the game is at. But I still wouldn't you know. And then people are talking about maybe they're going to rev the MacBook Air, whereas my mind says the MacBook Air's days are done. You know, it's it's been superseded. I can't see that. The only reason that I think some people are holding out hope for the MacBook Air is because it's the the cheapest Apple laptop you can get your hands on. And I think there are a lot of people who have a certain amount of wishful thinking there. And I I can't see that being the way it goes. I think Apple are going to kill the MacBook Air. Well, it was the it was that MacBook One. I thought that was going to be aimed at being like a MacBook, uh, the MacBook Air killer. But again, that seems to have just fallen by the way. And you, it, what's getting into my head now is, is it a little bit of themselves? They painted themselves into a corner again with that. I mean, I've used what, the, it. The I, MacBook. No, the oh, you know, the really small, dinky uh, MacBook. Oh, what's it called? I'm just trying to find the app that tells me when things have been updated. Uh, oh, blimey. You know, the, um, oh, yeah, the MacBook One, I'm sure of it. Or it's just called MacBook now, isn't it? Yeah, the MacBook. It's just called the MacBook. Well, that, that that's a strange thing in that in many ways you'd expect that to be the MacBook Air killer, but it's it's priced, you know, at much, much higher. Um, although, then again... You know, the MacBook Air, let's look at that. The original MacBook Air was a premium product and, you know, and critics were ragging on it as, you know, underpowered and underspecked, uh, and yet at a premium price just because it was thin and light um, and were laughing and saying who in their right mind would buy such a thing. But it did and it was successful. And then, you know, it, it slid down the ladder I guess as the costs, uh, you know, were recouped, it slid down the ladder to become the the most affordable of Apple's range. So I, I don't know. Is it that the MacBook, the current MacBook with all that new technology in it, you know, but then again, that's lots of people rag on that as saying that it's, you know, it's underspecked and underpowered uh, for the price. So I, I don't know. I really don't. At the minute, it's all very, very up in the air, and I think that's why, at the moment, the rumour mill is going berserk, and it, people were the rumours predict anything and everything, you know, uh, from the third coming of Steve Jobs downwards. To be honest, uh, and I don't, you know, there's a lot of predictions of things that are going to happen at WWDC, and um, again, I'm I'm very cautious about a lot of those kind of rumours because. WWDC is mostly, you know, a software developers conference. It's not really, um, you know, a product launching platform. No, I'm looking forward to seeing what they're, I'm hoping there's going to be some big advancements on the Apple Watch. Just having a quick look at the MacBook. It's called MacBook Retina 12-inch early 2015, 2015, 2016. 
Um, not a lot has changed, really. It's gone from, and I'm everyone that is probably shouting at me saying, yes, it has. Uh, it's gone from the Broadwell CPU to the Skylake CPU. And that appears to be about it. Probably pretty much about it. I, I don't know if you've read, but um, you know it had this new low-travel butterfly switch uh, keyboard. Um, and that was in the first one. And then apparently there was a minor revision to the butterfly switches in the second one. Um, but it appears to be surfacing that the machine tolerances uh, on, on these might be a little bit tight because uh, people are complaining of keys getting stuck. Um, and it, it, it seems that, you know, over time, the, the keys may be warping or distorting slightly. Um, and then jamming, which is if true, well, I mean, why would people say it's true? You know, if it's not, if it's not happening to them, um, but I'm seeing more reports of that, which d- does kind of say that maybe they've made the machine tolerances on that machine, you know, just a little too tight. I, I am. I was one of the few people that actually liked those sort of keyboards. If I'm absolutely adore my uh, magic keyboard. I really do. And I know a lot of people aren't keen on it. The trackpad, not so much. Uh, In fact, it's got a weird problem now where I have to use it plugged in. If I use Bluetooth, the cursor just spans it out and it goes all over the screen doing this, that and the other. Uh, Right, I'll tell you what, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to jump into Nemo's hardware store. So we are going to be back with you in about three minutes time. So John, over to you. Out with the old, in with the new. USB is dead. Long live USB. EasyQuest, that's E-Z-Q-U-E-S-T, is a USB-C to USB-3 mini adapter. Just a little over an inch long. Tip at one end plugs into your new USB-C MacBook Pro or MacBook, and we'll be seeing loads more of these USB-C ports on Apple devices, and they're already on other devices from other companies. And at the other end, you put in a USB 3 cable or a USB 2 cable, so you can put in your printer or your iPhone or your iPad or external hard drive, anything at all. This is really nicely made with an anodized aluminum aluminium sleeve. It's tough, it's rugged, it's small, it's $15 in the U.S., and everybody who has a USB-C portable computer should definitely have one of these USB-C to USB-3 female mini adapters with anodized aluminium sleeve from EasyQuest, E-Z-Q-U-E-S-T. Staying on the same theme, a company called Kenex, and we talked about them last week with their amazing Duraflex cable. This is a plastic cable and housing, eight and a quarter inches long, 21 centimeters, a USB-C to USB adapter. It's the same concept, except it's eight inches long, and you plug the USB-C tip into your USB-C port on your MacBook, MacBook Pro, or any other computer that has USB-C. And then you've got USB at the other end, a nice fast USB 3 blue plastic insertion at the other end. So both of these do the same thing. Just one is very short, portable. The other is eight and a quarter inches long 
and they accomplish the same thing, allow you to have any device at all, any legacy device connected to your USB-C computer that Apple has now made totally incompatible with all legacy equipment. What a pain. How annoying for people to have to get all these adapters. Well, the price for the second one from Kenex is $20. So, so far, you haven't spent very much money to be able to have ultimate portability and flexibility with your new USB-C only MacBook or MacBook Pro. However, if you are like most people and you have a traditional computer, our friends at McAlley, that's M-A-C-A-L-L-Y, have a four-port portable USB 3 hub. So it has a conventional USB 3 blue tip at one end. And then you've got about a foot-long cable here with a nice rugged plastic four-port McAlley USB 3 insertions and an LED light to let you know they're connected. So it's rugged plastic. I like it very much. I use it all the time with my MacBook Pro. Cost for this is $30 in the U.S. So for not very much money, yet again, you can have any quantity of devices connected using various ports, hubs, adapters, female, male, whatever you want to call them. Don't be distressed if all you have is a single or multiple ports of USB-C or if you're limited on your USB 3 ports. Thanks for listening. Hope to have a special report next week. That's it for Nemo's Hardware Store. Thank you, John, once again for another Nemo's Hardware Store. And of course, you can find John Nemo over at MyMac.com, where you can find a load of other great podcasts as well. And I've got to be honest, some of the shows were actually the inspiration for this mess of a show. Well, not the show actually being a mess, but for me actually wanting to do a podcast. You've got Tech Fan, you've got the one with Guy and Gaz, who the one I can never remember, which is My Mac, and then you've it's got called the... My Mac. Oh, funny that. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got the one with Bart Bouchon, Bart. Oh, blimey, what's his last yeah. name? <laughs> Bart Bouchotts. That's the one. That's a, a nice little 40-minute show where he gets a, a, a group of people who actually know what they're on about on his show. You've got Three Geeky Ladies and Club Nintendo as well. So if you are looking for a new podcast, head over to MyMac.com, go on to the podcast section, and you will see a lot of new podcasts there. And if you do feel like writing, if you've got a bit of a journalistic talent, or perhaps you've got an app, or you've developed something, or you've created something, or you want something reviewed, you can get in contact with John via uh, MyMac.com and take it from there. And, of course, here is our obligatory please help support the show by using our Amazon link. It's in the show notes. It's on the website. We'll put it onto all the social things. Basically, if you shop at Amazon, if you want to sign up for the Amazon reading thingy or music or Prime, or if you're a Twitch viewer as well, if you use our Amazon link or you just shop normally, click on our link, make a purchase, and we get a very, very small amount of commission from whatever you buy. And a big thank you to everyone who's been using it. It is really, really appreciated. And, of course, those lovely, lovely people on the Patreon who have seen their way to donate a small amount per month that probably won't even notice. It's probably even less than the amount of change that goes down the back of the sofa or for you Americans out there, the couch, and it all goes in to help keeping this show going. So a big thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone out there. 
So next up is a story um, which is going to lead us into another story. Great grammaticals there. Oh, God, you can tell it's almost time to get out of here. The UK has... Uh, well, in fact, take this away, Simon. You, you can lead on this one. Right. Um, well, as we all know, the Snoopers Charter, uh, a.k.a. Uh, Digital Information Bill or whatever it was called, uh, got passed, which allowed the government to spy on all of us. Um, and then last week it got leaked that they were secretly uh, planning even more legislation or uh, to, you know, use the legislation to underhandedly spy on all of us even more um, and to force ISPs to do all sorts of things that I suspect ISPs aren't particularly keen on. Um, and now uh, it's come to light that Theresa May, well, I'm sure it's not her personally, but the Conservatives are planning to introduce huge regulations on the way the internet works, allowing the government to decide what is said online. A uh, particular focus has been drawn at the end of the manifesto, uh, where it makes clear that the Tories want to introduce huge changes to the way the internet works. Some people say that it is not for government to regulate when it comes to technology and the internet, it states, and we disagree. The senior Tories have confirmed that the phrasing indicates that the government intends to introduce huge restrictions on what people can post, share and publish online. Uh, the plans apparently will allow Britain to become the global leader in the regulation of the use of personal data and the internet. Um, and if you want my, if you want my personal take on that, that sounds a bit like the personal leader in 1984 Orwellian overview. Was this not what China's already done with the Great Red Firewall of China? Well, that that's a no. That's a thing about the the Great Firewall of China effectively allows the Chinese government to block uh, people like us from talking to their population and telling them that uh, perhaps, you know, communism isn't the greatest thing in the world. Yeah, but it's not too far of a step removed, is it? You start monitoring no. what people say, then you start monitoring where you can say it. It's not too far a blinking uh, thing to do like that. I mean, Here we go. You're right. So it's, it's, I mean, just listen to this, right? Uh, it comes not long after the Investigatory Powers Act came into law. This legislation allowed the government to force internet companies to keep records on their customers' browsing histories and give ministers the power to break into apps like WhatsApp so that the messages could be read. The manifesto makes reference to these increased powers, saying that the government will work harder to ensure that there is no safe space for terrorists to be able to communicate online. That is apparently a reference to uh, it's worked to encourage technology companies to build in back doors. And we all know how well that went, don't we? After last week and the wanna cry. Thank you very much, NSA, for that one. Is, um, with, with all the stuff like this, which worries me, it's like with all the ISPs like having to hold data on us, like emails sent from to date in a few words. Okay, you can sort of see a little bit of the logic to that. If you put aside for somehow the whole privacy thing, but then it's these companies that get hacked, like Talk Talk, who lost all that information, like hundreds and thousands of accounts were compromised. You know, all that data being leaked. You can't trust a corporate company anything more than you can trust a government company to look after your data. Not a blinking chance. 
Yeah. Right. In harnessing the digital revolution, we must take steps to protect the vulnerable and give people confidence to use the internet without fear of abuse, criminality, or exposure to horrific content. Okay, fair enough. That sounds reasonable, doesn't it? Right? The plans are in keeping with the Tories' commitment that the online world should be regulated as strongly as the offline one, and the same rules should apply in both. Okay. Um, Not quite, yeah, but look how well they've regulated the press industry, which basically isn't regulated. It's it's regulated to a point of, like, whose agenda can they support? If, if, if you start if you start on regulation, that means you're going to get people that are going to be lobbying for this to go through and that to go through. Oh, I'm got a blimey. Where's Carl? We need him on the show. He he would be the taskmaster at going it, into it, this. I'm, I'm afraid if, I don't really want to get into politics, you know, one way or the other. But that I just reading that it's horrific. It's it's completely Orwellian. It's you know, backdoors in everything. Nothing you do online is allowed to be secured. It's a disaster. And also, of course, it completely proves that whoever drafted that has no idea how technology works. None at all. It's idiocy. It's, it's, it's you know, it's, it's safe. And yeah, you know, we will have, the, we will have the keys. It's one of those, isn't it? We, as the good guys will have, you know, they always reference pornography and children and terrorists as a way to, that means we should have the right to go into anybody's house and, you know, rummage through their drawers and then, you know, for no good reason other than you might be a terrorist. No, it's, it's authoritarianism of the worst kind. Uh, don't get me wrong. I, I'm not saying it should be a free for all out there, and you know, with no regulation and all sorts. That's that's you know, but it just it reads like you know, stronger controls on pornography. I'm sorry, but that's just you know what adult people wish to look at if they want to look at other parts of other people's bodies in the privacy of their own home, and uh, you know, old enough to do so. I I don't have a problem with that. I'm, <laughs> It's yes. It's someone in work sort of came up with the same thing. Is that at some point you've got to put it in the responsibility of the people that have the internet connection, i.e., parents, just to be a little bit yeah. controversial. Well, just you cannot legislate. You know everything. What they want to do is have access to everything all the time. And they use terrorism and child pornography as their sledgehammer. And also, of course, the frightening phrase, if you haven't got anything to hide, you've nothing to be afraid of. If there's ever a more scary uh, line in politics, I don't think I've ever heard it. Uh, it just, you know, it's, well, it, it's shocking. It's, it totally appalls me. Um, and I don't think I want to go anymore because I'm going to get into a political rant. Yes. And that's not what the show is about. No. But so um, let, let's move it forward a bit then. So if, like me, you're becoming con- increasingly worried about this sort of thing, you can start looking at using VPNs. Now, I haven't used one in, well, since I did an interview with Ryan from 
the application that I can't remember, but that's okay because he doesn't work there anymore way back in the rampant mumblings. But you use TunnelBear, don't you? I I use two VPNs, uh, both of which I use the free tier of. Um, on iOS, I use one called uh, Hotspot Shield, I believe, which is uh, on the free tier, you have basically unlimited use of the VPN, but you're only allowed to use one of the US servers. So uh, it it treats everything. Uh, everything believes you're surfing from somewhere in, in America. Uh, that is absolutely fine, um, but it does mean you can't use it for certain things which uh, are like U- UK specific. So for example, if you have that turned on and you try and go to the uh, iOS app store, it, it won't work because it thinks you're trying to download stuff from the UK app store in America. But uh, that's very useful. And I use it mostly on iOS, of course, you know, when I'm out and about, when you're using free Wi-Fi, you know, at the coffee shop or the supermarket or or, or anywhere else. So, um, and of course, you should always use VPN. It's called it's called Hotspot Shield. Um, do you know? I couldn't tell you who the developer is because I wasn't really going to get the onto only, that this, this week. The but, only um, reason I'm asking is Hotspot just because the only reason I'm asking is because when you go and search for it, there's quite a few spammy uh, looking websites out oh, yes. there. So I just want to make sure we link to the right one. I will. I will. Um, Literally now, we will put a link to that in the show notes so you can go and have a look because I hate it when you go onto something and you see oh, download.cnet.com or 2bb4 hyphen downloads.php nuke blah 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 or softonic.com. Oh, god, uh, yes, um, which is what it's brought me now. But, um, what I want is to find the where's the developer yes it's anchor free yeah and that's anchorfree.com and we'll have that in the show notes yes uh, there is there is a version for the mac but i don't believe there's a free tier on that um however my my vpn of choice really is is tunnel bear because tunnel bear is amazingly simple amazingly easy to use uh on ios the uh you get you get 500 meg of data free uh on on tunnel bear and if you send out a tweet once a month saying i'm using tunnel bear they give you another gig of data for free so you can have a gig and a half of data for free on tunnel bear um and you can use that either on your ios devices or on your macintosh um and uh i i find that between the two of them that's enough for me. However, if uh, you know, if some of this stuff starts to look like it's going to be the way uh, the world is going, I might be uh, rather more inclined to pay for a VPN. Because the thing about a VPN is you need to trust the people you're buying it from. Because, <laughs> you know, um, you have to trust the people you're getting your... Uh, if you don't trust your antivirus... Uh, company don't you know don't buy their product um 
yes, Tunnel Bear. I, I have to say that I recommend Tunnel Bear personally. Lots of other perfectly good, um, you know, and trustworthy VPNs are out there. But if you are going to use a VPN, do research it carefully because because they've become the uh, fad du jour, I suppose. There's an awful lot of them appear to be springing up, which are pretty iffy looking and uh, just marketing themselves in the on the protect yourself get a vpn sign up now for you know this fabulous deal um so just do your research there there are some very uh well-known vpns out there um and i'm not saying that somebody from a lesser company is necessarily worse just do your research before you put your eggs in their basket really uh, it used to be when you had a VPN that all the data would come through the VPN. Uh, what I have noticed is, let's say you want to go and download an ISO, you can, um, you can. Uh, it's quite hard to explain this, but it used to be you couldn't download things from certain websites, shall we say, unless you're in that country. What you can do is start the download with your VPN on, turn your VPN off and you'll save data in your VPN. Um, just have a look at Tunnel Bear here. They're saying that for $9.99 a month, you get unlimited data. That seems quite yes. impressive. Yeah. Um, and I, I, forget, uh, I forget how many devices you can use per account. It's not like, you know, you don't have to have, you don't have to have an account for each device. To my mind, Tunnel Bear is very much uh, a VPN for anyone. It, it's very, very simple. You, you know, the, the, even the interface is is simple. Uh, you are when you turn it on, you get a, a map of the world and you get your little bear, and then you select the tunnel which you want to use. So, you know, if you if you for some reason decide you want your VPN to tell everybody that you're in um, Italy. You click on Italy and the bear digs a tunnel and pops up in Italy and shows you that's the server that you're using. It's a very good service. It's as simple as that. And at the moment, I only use the free service. But again, you know, if things start to look sticky, I don't have anything to hide. But at the same time, I don't believe that, you know, the government has a right to come and rummage in my knicker drawer just because they feel like it so there you are yeah, i'm completely with you i think uh, i'm gonna give it a try this week and see how it goes and we all know that news groups are best for downloading things anyway if you were going to do that in fact i might even do uh, an article on how to use news groups because they're going through a bit of a renaissance period um oh blimey We've covered an hour somehow. <laughs> Miracles will sometimes never um, cease. Um, right then, I think we're going to wrap it up this week because my voice is going and I'm getting ready to eat my own fist because I've suddenly started feeling hungry for the first time in about 24 hours. Uh, so we'll wrap this up then. So, Simon, if they want to get a hold of you, how can they get a hold of you? Where can they find you, good sir? Okay, well, of course, you can find me on the Twitters, and I'm at Serenak, and that's S-E-R-E-N-A-K. And uh, I frequent the Google+, Plus, our uh, essential Apple Google+, and uh, I 
post there. And of course, we can be reached via the website and my Mac and various other places. Uh, and of course, we have the Slack room and that's open to anybody who would like to join us and just contact us for an invitation. Yes, indeed. Uh, I've not been that active there myself, but with good reason. But I will be back in there shortly. If you want to get a hold of me, you can follow me on the Twitter at Ocean Speed. If you want to follow the website, so you get notif- notified of any articles when the next podcast goes live, any news or anything else we do. That's at Essential Apple. And of course, we're on the Facebook, Twitter, social media, or at Essential Apple. Just go there, stick it in your favorite search engine. We might even appear on bing who knows and yes we will see you next week for another exciting episode of this show thank you very much for listening thank you for supporting the show via amazon and patreon and we'll talk to you next week looking for a podcast to get your geek on then listen to my favorite ladies podcast the three geeky ladies Join Alyssa, Suze, and Vicky as they discuss tech products and other topics that caught their attention. The Three Geeky Ladies Podcast, on the My Mac Podcasting Network.